Good morning. Part two in the world's greatest prayer. We started last weekend on the Lord's Prayer, so we just barely got started. If you'll turn to Matthew 6, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, a lot of these verses will appear on the screen behind me just during the message. Last week, we looked at our Father, Abba, Papa, Daddy, which art in heaven. How can we reverence your name, God? Well, this weekend, we're going to continue to build upon that prayer there recorded in Matthew 6, if you'll start there about verse 9. And there's a particular part here. I love this. This is today. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's all we're going to focus on, just those two little phrases. Your kingdom come here and now among us. Your will be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, God in Jesus Christ transfers us out of the dominion of darkness and He transfers us into the kingdom of light in Jesus Christ when we get saved. Amen? When we get regenerated by the Spirit of God and Christ becomes real to us and we begin a relationship with the Father Abba, we, we get that new spirit. We, we are in a new kingdom. We have a citizenship, the Bible says. It's in heaven. It's an awesome thing. And yet, Jesus with the disciples, and I'm still asking myself and others are asking, Lord, would you teach us to pray? What does that mean? Well, in this series, we're going to purpose to build upon those very premises of Holy Scripture as we look at Matthew 6. There was a famous chaplain several years ago. I really liked him. His name was John Cassis. He was the chaplain for the Chicago Bears. I don't know if you remember the Chicago Bears, but you probably do. They had a great thing called the Super Bowl Shuffle. Anybody remember that? Do you want the pastor to do that for you? I'm not. Okay. But they uh, they were having chapel, or they were having this meeting one day, a pep talk, and Mike Ditka, the famous coach of the Bears, he is uh, going to get up and he's going to give this motivational talk and he turns to this 340-pound little lineman named Refrigerator Perry. And he says, hey, Perry, when I finish the pep talk, I want you to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. They had this really gregarious, big, ego-driven, centric quarterback named Jim. There you go. And this guy thought that he knew everything. He was really a good athlete, Jim McMahon. And he turned over to Cassis because he saw the look on Refrigerator's face. He was petrified, that big hulk of a man. Sweat broke out across his bra brow. Maybe his bra, I don't know. And it just began to just flow. Just kidding. It just began to flow down. And John was sitting there and, and Jim turns and he goes, Hey John, I bet the Refrigerator don't even know the Lord's Prayer. And man, he's just sweating profusely and Ditka finishes his, his talk and he comes to the end and he turns his refrigerator. And refrigerator just bows his head. But right before that, he had said, hey John, I bet you $50 he didn't know it. And refrigerator stood there in silence and it seemed to build, it seemed forever. And he said, man, I know I got my $50. And refrigerator prayed these words. Now I lay me down to sleep if I should die before I wake. And Jim McMahon, he got up and he went over to John Cassis. He goes, I can't believe that he knew it. And he gave him the $50. <laughs> now, some people are just that crazy. That is not the Lord's Prayer, okay? I just wanted you to know that. But here's what I'm wanting to do. I'm wanting this prayer to master us in these days that we meet. 
that this prayer would become the, the pattern that we build our prayer upon this, not that it's a rote prayer. So that's what's happened in the evangelical church. This church has been prayed so ritualistically, it has no power because it was really meant to be a prayer of the Father's kingdom, but it was meant to build our prayer upon a prayer like this of how to get the Father's attention. Thy kingdom come, your will be done, Lord your kingdom come. So here, I want you to fill in with me quickly as you look there. The most powerful people walk with God in prayer. If you want to have a powerful, intimate, touching heaven, releasing the power of God in your world, in your life, you've got to be a person of prayer. Your kingdom come. Father, your reign come in my life. Lord, Lord, banish all other alien allegiances. But Lord Jesus, you take me captive. You, kingdom, take my heart. It's this divinely inspired outline that we find in Holy Scripture here in Matthew 6. And I want you to look at something. I didn't get them to do this exactly right. It's my fault. Your kingdom come and your will be done. I meant to leave room. I want you to put an error in there between your kingdom come and your will be done. Put an error in between those two. I know you're saying, well, pastor, there's not very much room. Well, just humor me. Just, just draw it in there. There's a reason for this. There's two petitions that come. It's called a parallelism. And as we look at this, it means there's a statement given, and then this next this next statement comes, and it amplifies the first statement. Through Holy Scripture, there's a lot of this going on. Uh, there's one over in Psalm 46, 1 through 2. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. It just kind of it builds. We, we see it all through the, the 23rd Psalm. And on and on, we can read these, applying these petitions. And in this petition, we're saying, Lord, your kingdom, your kingdom, not my kingdom. My kingdoms have to fall. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. But see, in this world, many grab for the power of the kingdom. The CEOs in the boardroom, they grab for the power of the kingdom. People grab for the power of money. And God's like, no, 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 no. That's well and fine maybe in the economic community. It's sometimes if you do it with the right attitude. But I want you to grab hold of my kingdom. See, I'm convinced some of the most powerful people on the earth or the most powerful people are the people that walk in humility before the Lord God Almighty. And the church said, because they know what power is. Power comes from on high, true power. And true power always reflects itself in humility. So here it is. So fill it in. The kingdom of God is a society, a place where God's will is done. Your kingdom come as a prophetic prayer that we pray. Lord, I want your will. I want to petition you, God. It, it, it's your rule. It's your authority. You're a sovereign king, and you rule over my heart and life. You rule in my school, Lord Jesus. You rule in the workplace in the morning. Lord Jesus, you rule in my marriage. Lord Jesus, you rule in me being a teenager that I might have respect for mom and dad. You rule in my relationship one with the other. Whatever place we find ourselves in relational context, your kingdom comes. Your kingdom rules. You know, but here's one. We always have a mess. See, teen teenagers like to rival the kingdom just like adults do. Here's the way a teenager would rival the kingdom. Bill, I want you to be home. At 10.30, and you go, 10.30, my friend stay out to 11.30, you're a, you're a fool. Anybody ever said that besides me? Hypocrites, you know you have. But you know, then your parents have a line, because I've used it. Hey, Hannah, Rachel, except Rachel's grown now. Hannah, mom and I pay the bills. Be in at 10.30. And let me tell you something about the eternal kingdom. 
the Father pays the bills, doesn't he, church? And when he tells us to do something, we need to follow and say, Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, I come into repentance. Because it's not God's will that any should perish, but all come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. So it's a time of grace and response. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we pray a prayer like this, we say, Lord, in grace, I want to respond to who you are. Who you have shown me to be in your in my life, Lord. And I want this heaven to come into my life. See, one day Jesus Christ is going to come again on a white stallion in all his glory. And when he touches down on Jerusalem, <laughs> I don't know how you spell what I just did. It's going to be awesome. He's coming again in the church. We don't like to talk about that, especially people that are young and in love. Lord Jesus, please don't come till I get married. I hear that all the time. Lord Jesus, please don't come till we get a child. Oh, Lord Jesus, please don't come till we get grandchildren. Oh, Lord Jesus, please don't come till I get that promotion. And then some people are like, Lord Jesus, just come any minute. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we're all on that spectrum of Lord come, but there's this time that he's going to come, but we go into a bunker mentality. We want to get in these holy huddles called the church. We get in these little huddles all the time. And God says, it's time for you to get in there and get strength and encouragement. But then it's time to break out and be the church of the living God. This weekend, the men got together and we got some holy huddles. And we got some times just like the women did. And God showed up and he showed out. I love that. God loves to show out, doesn't he, church? And then we break out and we're the living epistle. We're the living church to the world. And that's what's wrong with so many people that don't want to come to Christ because they don't see the, the Christ in us. They don't see that hope. They just think all we do is go to meetings and, and uh, dress up. Well, that'll come to our church. We don't dress up, do we? Well, some of you do. That's cool. You, you can dress up. You can wear a tie. You can wear a suit. Women, you can even wear pantyhose. Why? I don't know, but you can wear them if you wanted to. I can tell you this. Your pastor doesn't wear pantyhose. Let's move on. Okay. The key, That's a good thing, isn't it? Okay. But the kingdom here does not consist of talk but of power. The power of God. Look at the next thing. The kingdom is an invisible kingdom, but it needs to be made visible where you and I walk. See, the kingdom reality is that you, where you and I walk, we take authority. I've shared this before and I'll share it again. It just came to me. Remember when Jack Taylor came here, him and Barbara. Barbara's with the Lord Jesus. She died of cancer. They've been married about 40-something years. But Jack taught me something I've never forgotten. I went over to pick up Jack. Him and Barbara were... Kind of getting up in a few years, but man, vibrant for the Lord Jesus. And I picked him up, and he always had a coat on. Thank God he didn't wear a tie. I had to do that, and that would have broke my streak. But anyway, and I went and picked him up, and we went to his room. And I still see it. Every time I go to a hotel room, I can see Jack Taylor in my mind. We walked in the room, and I, and I, I carried his bags because I was taught to treat my elders with respect. And I, I put them down, and I got rest. And the Jack, I'll be by to pick you up at such and such time. He said, just a minute, son. I said, yes, sir. He said, let's have prayer. Get on your knees. And we got on our knees in that hotel room. And he declared the kingdom of God. And the whole week he kept saying, Keith, everywhere we go, we declare the kingdom of God. Amen? When you walk into a restaurant this afternoon, you declare the kingdom just walked in. When you go to school tomorrow, you declare the kingdom. You're saying, well, if you know my attitude, well, you're probably declaring the demonic kingdom. Let's declare the eternal kingdom. Amen? So do you see that kingdom authority that God wants to give you and I? And it's a revolution. It's a radical prayer. It's a prayer that changes people. It's countercultural to our revolution or to our lives. The one that Jesus wants to bring us. And Lord, I, I don't want to just believe the right stuff. We can all believe the right stuff. You know, there, there, there's a sin in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm convinced of it. Let's just sit around and have Bible study enough. I love Bible study. I'm like the Bereans. I love the studies of the Scripture. 
It's awesome to study the Word of God. But there is a time when the church of Jesus Christ has to break out of the huddle and they have to serve it up that the kingdom is here among us. Among us. Amen? But a lot of times people are like, well, I just want to, I just want to talk about it. No, we don't need to talk so much. We need to be the church of the living Christ. Now that's a word for you and me, man. I, I just all the time, well, I pray these really spiritual prayers. And I'm like, I don't see any fruit in your life. See, I'm always observing fruit because my father said there'll be fruit that will be much abundant fruit when you walk with Jesus. Amen? Boy, there must be a lot of conviction in the room. You get a little quiet. But let's keep on moving here. I want to build some things. Look at this message question. I love this one. If Jesus ran the world, what would it look like? See, the Bible says there's a prince of the world. His name is Satan, the devil, Lucifer. Jesus allowed him, the Father allowed Satan to be the prince of this world for a season. But Jesus is the prince of peace, king of kings, lord of lords. But in this world, we do have... A prince, if you will. We have a, a demonic force that comes in opposition to the spirit of the living God. So Jesus doesn't run the world in that sense of the state. He's allowing him freedom. But he does rule in the hearts of boys and girls and men and women that surrender to his lordship this morning. So this question, I, want you to, I don't want you to just blow through it. It's hard to get my mind around it. If Jesus ran the world, what would it look like? It'd look a lot different than it does today. And I'm going to build a biblical case of what it will look like. But the kingdom of God is a manifestation of God's authority, of his power, of his purposes in our hearts, in our lives, in our communities. And that's what I pray that we're building at Christ Community and other churches are building, that the kingdom of God is coming to serve notice. I want you to turn to Revelations. Will you turn over there with me? Anytime we turn to Revelations, you've got to get ready, folks. Revelations chapter 11, verse 15. I like what Scripture says here. 11.15 The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. Then jump down to 12.10 Now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. See, one day Christ will make all things right. One day He will rule even on this earth and His kingdom will be established and be set up. But I just keep asking that question. What would the world look like Let's bring it more. What would Montgomery, what would the river region look like if Jesus ran it? No, no, no. Let's get it even more. What would the church look like if Jesus really ran the church? No, no, no. Let's even break it down again. What would your home look like if Jesus ran your home? Uh-oh. Have any of you ever said any things at home you wish that you hadn't said? And you wish nobody else had heard? Even your family members? I mean, we just do that. And God says, I want my kingdom to rule in the body of Christ. I want it to rule in the home, my kingdom. And in and, and his kingdom, let me tell you this, write this thought down. The kingdom is a kingdom of joy. Is it, it's the whole book of Philippians. God comes to give us amazing, overflowing joy. You see a lot of people walking around in the kingdom and, and they're not smiling, they're not joyful, and they're just like, man, I love Jesus. I'm just waiting for him to come back. I mean, man, when Jesus came into my life, man, it was awesome. Here it is 30 years down the road, man. Today, some of my dear friends that had a tremendous impact are here today. Alan and Nancy James. They walked in with their daughter. Their, her daughter, their daughter was in my, my student ministry with me and Rachel. Oh, me and me and Rachel. Yeah, I guess Rachel was there. Me and Donna. And she's got a husband. I stood and did their wedding. And today they have a bunch of, they have a, a how many kids do y'all have now? Oh, she looked at him. That was a little scary. Okay. They, they, they have three boys. 
Amen. And they're serving the purposes of Christ today. And it's awesome to see what God's doing in their life. And I just go, God. And, and, and there's one thing I always remember about Jennifer. She always smiles. She's always smiling. Man, I took her on my first mission trip, students, out of the country. We went to Durango, Mexico. And it, we had some tremendous spiritual challenges in Durango. But she was always smiling. The joy of the Lord, I remember it was such a, a, a fruit in our life. And, and this morning when I saw her, there, there it was, the joy of Christ overflowing. I like what C.S. Lewis says. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Don't you like that? Joy is a serious business of heaven. Therefore, if the kingdom comes, joy should be the business of the church of Jesus Christ. Christ followers should exhibit joy. Not passivity, not boredom, not, you know, got a big frown. Because our God, He's awesome. He's deeply, deeply and passionately in love with us. He's come to redeem us, and that Redeemer's love shapes us and transforms us and marks us. And it means that things get different. It means we can begin to dance and laugh and worship and exalt and bless the name of Jesus. So this morning, I'm just thinking about the joy of the Lord. Is He your strength? You're like, well, that's a song we used to sing it as a kid. No, it's biblical. It's reality. Or it could be reality. Maybe it's not. Maybe we've, we don't have this inexpressible joy. I'm going to tell you this. You get around some joy-filled believers. It'll rub off. Joy-filled believers are contagious. They have something you want. And so many of you in this room are joy-filled believers, and some aren't. But I'm praying that this morning, maybe the Spirit of God would infuse. My kingdom is a kingdom of joy. But let's continue to build this case. Revelation 7, 16. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat up upon them, nor any scorching heat. It's all prophetic. This is that book of Revelation. And it means economics and needs. There's going to be an elimination of poverty. There's going to be no more impoverished bodies. There's not going to be any more little bellies that are going to be craving for food. No more moms going to the trash dump looking for food or shelter for their kids. No more malnutrition. James Robinson wants to come on TV anymore. There won't be any more wells having to be dug around the world to get fresh water. It'll be a whole new kingdom set up. Let's move Amos 9.13. The days are coming, declares the Lord when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. Man, there won't be this infertile soul. There won't be any more curse. The curse will be removed. The curse will be pulled away. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more disease. It'll be a beautiful place and a beautiful time. Amen? Amen. Such abundance. Radical abundance. That's what my heart longs for. And yet you're saying, well, pastor, this is prophetic. Well, let me give you a little more. I've been thinking about this. Y'all know that I like Krispy Kreme donuts. And, and I tell you, the dumbest prayer, not the world's greatest prayer, but the world's stupidest prayer is, Lord, bless this donut I'm about to receive. There's nothing but sugar. But in the new kingdom, I believe donuts are going to be filled with protein. Just a thought. I thought that'd get you going. But you know what I get excited about? Little kids in Venezuela and Mexico and Brazil and different places I've been in the world are going in the world. And the little kids I see on TV and the little kids in Montgomery in Memphis in America, they won't go without love and they won't go without a meal anymore. It's all going to be changed. And yes, age will be wiped out. Hallelujah. Just all these diseases, all these things that are the curse will, will be gone. It'll, it'll be a new place when Jesus runs the world.
But until he runs it, we'll have all this crazy sin and all these patterns. And Listen to Isaiah 2.4. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And the church said, hallelujah. Amen. No more war. Woo. This morning I was already talking to somebody, to Tracy Madeira. And her son left yesterday for Iraq for six months. I got an email uh, just a couple days before the retreat, and there's Nate over in Iraq. I'm excited about people coming home. How about you, church? I'm excited about no more boys and girls going off to war. I'm excited about things uh, peace being finally settled once and for all in the Middle East when Jesus touched down. Amen? Amen. That's that prophetic future kingdom. And uh, here's the thought. Inner ballistic missile silos. There will be no purpose. We can use them for scuba diving training. Just a thought. Look, look work with me here. Look, if I'm going to have protein and donuts, I can have missile towers. Did y'all know our nursery director? You know little Chrissy that has that joy of Jesus and all those little curls in her hair? Do you know she was a missile launcher in the Air Force? So your kids better be good. Well, she'll bust them for Jesus. No, no, she's... Just, 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 just kidding. Just kidding. Your kids are okay. Chrissy, don't let any numbers come up on this thing. Okay. All right. See, sometimes we just get so uptight. The kingdom is a kingdom of joy. How many of you enjoy laughing? How many of you enjoy having the joy of Christ in your life? How many of you enjoy being around a joy-filled believer? Yeah. Like, no, man. I just want to be with intense believers. I don't. I've already been there. It's called seminary. I do not want to do it again. We love God. We'd like to talk to you about the Greek text this morning. <laughs> like, dude, if you were preaching the church, it would have died a long time ago, dude. And I don't want to make fun of academia. I'm grateful for those that want to teach men and women to love the Word of God. I'm just glad they don't lead the church. Amen. Just a thought. Okay. I like this one, Isaiah 11, 6. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion, the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The little Israeli children, the Palestinian kids, they're going to play duck, duck, goose together. There'll be an end to rebellion, to war. And the Bible says the lion will lay down with the lamb. Hallelujah. That's the kingdom. The twelve gates in Revelation 21, 21. The twelve gates were the twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great, the great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. The human heart will hunger as it does this morning for the beauty of the Lord. But I want you to catch this. The heart will finally be satisfied. There's only one thing that brings satisfaction to you and I today, friend. It's not big money. It's not a new wife, not a new husband, not a new car, not new possessions, not whatever. It's Jesus. He satisfies us with all things. And in the new kingdom, He will satisfy everything. His kin It'll be an inner beauty. I've often thought there'll be no more need for Kleenex. He'll wipe away all tears. There'll be no more need for funeral homes. 
No more need for the hospitals and the things that we know today. Listen to Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will, will live with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. And Ezekiel says, And He'll remove a heart of stone, and He'll give them a heart of flesh. That's the kingdom. Even now, Lord Jesus, give us your kingdom here. The kingdom is where the nations will gather around the throne and they'll worship Jesus Christ and we'll have inexpressible joy and we'll engage with the kingdom, the game's own church for the Christ and his followers. Kingdom won't come by force. It won't come by political or financial means. It'll come by spiritual means, the authority of Jesus Christ. And it comes through a simple prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You see, I know the kingdom is future tense, part of it. But the kingdom is among you. The kingdom is within you. Amen? Amen. The kingdom's right here. The invisible kingdom of Christ. But we make it visible by the way we live for Jesus. It's an amazing thing here that I want to show you quickly. I want you to turn to the back of Revelations. I want you to turn to the last page. Turn to the last page of Revelations. I'll go ahead and tell you. Revelations 22. Turn here as I'm turning. Revelations 22. Turn there. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The saints of decades past, I understand in my reading and talking with older people, they used to always say this, Come, Lord Jesus. We don't say that prayer a lot anymore. But that's what it means for His kingdom to come. Is Lord Jesus, you come. But until you come, I'll serve up notice that you are here. And I'm asking you to rule in my life and in my heart. And Lord, you're going to wrap up history once and for all as we read in Ezekiel and Daniel and back in the book of Revelations that we've been looking at this morning. But until Jesus Christ comes, we have a job to do to reach the world for Christ. That's why I do what I do. Because it matters. Lost people matter to Christ. Do they matter to you? Lord Jesus, we love you. And you'll come. And I pray that this morning we're getting a glimpse of your eternal kingdom and reign and rule. And Lord, teach me. No, Lord, teach us to pray. We don't want to pray wimpy prayers anymore. We want to pray prayers of the eternal kingdom of Christ and His rule and reign forever and ever. Teach us, God, to submit to Your Lordship as husbands and fathers and mothers and wives and daughters and sons and friends and brothers and sisters in Jesus. God, do something so significant this morning that all we have to do is just give you praise because you're God. We've asked you to come, Holy Spirit, and you are here alive among us and in us. May we tap into your kingdom today. And right now, possibly, you need to take a walk across the room. I'm going to invite the elders to move over to the cross over on my left, your right. 
There's a table, there's a cross, there's a Savior waiting for you. Would you give your heart to this Jesus this morning? It's the greatest decision I ever made. The second was to marry Donna and have a covenant relationship with my wife. But the first and the foremost decision you'll ever make is to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. This morning, some of you don't have Him as Savior. Your sins are not covered by the blood. And some of you maybe have the sin covered by the blood, but there's no lordship. So I really even question, do you even really have biblical salvation? But here's how easy it is, friend. In a simple prayer, you cry out to Jesus. Lord Jesus, here I am. I'm distant and disconnected. I need your mercy and your blood to cover me. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Rule on the throne of my heart. Your kingdom in my life. Rule, Lord Jesus. And teach me to give you praise and worship. I give my heart to you. I believe some just prayed that prayer. And I'm going to invite you just to begin to walk over. Adam, are, are you getting close? There's just a little thing that Adam, I just want him to just do a little chorus. You can sing it with him, but more than that, would you do it in your heart? Would you begin to move over toward the cross and give your heart to the Savior? And, and maybe you're not there. Maybe you say, well, I'm already saved. I just need prayer. So let's distinguish that from salvation to you just need prayer. There are people there. There are men there that will pray with you and over you and for you. Adam, if you could just sing that chorus about I surrender. If you know this, maybe sing this. Make it the, the song of your heart. And I surrender all to you, all to you. And I surrender all to you, all to you. Come on, sing that with me. It's real simple. And I pray in our hearts we just did that and it's very simple our father Abba which art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Jesus would your will be done in our hearts this morning and may it follow through to Monday and Tuesday and Friday and Saturday. May it be the journey of our heart with you. May your kingdom become more of a reality today than it's ever been. Friend, the kingdom is not just a future tense oriented deal. It is here now among the living in Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus come soon but until you come 
May we be your warriors and your children of joy and of hope. And God's people gathered around the throne of Jesus and said, Amen.